Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. For our talk today, we're going to be in the book of Colossians, chapter 1. Colossians, not a super easy book to find if you're in a paper Bible. It's going to be toward the back. It's a smaller book, but Colossians, chapter 1. And going to begin up on the screen with, I googled, bad knockoff brands. Okay, you know what a knockoff is? Okay, here's some that you may or may not have tried. Sunbucks coffee. (laughs) May not try that. Uh, Next one, I laughed. I don't know why that one was so funny for me. The Dave Beauty Bar. Uh, Next one is probably a spoof, but... (laughs) Crust. And I included the next one because I'm a Pringles fan, but apparently there's also you can get prongles. And just to go to a definition of a knockoff, here's a definition of a knockoff. It's, it's a product that mimics a successful original item. They market themselves with similar spelling or design of the established brand. Typically, a consumer knows they are not buying the real thing. Uh, most of us, I think, would agree that if you buy a knockoff, there's at least some risk involved. Have you ever done it? And I think of, I know I've had this experience with some knockoff food brand, and there's a little concern, and you taste it, and then you realize, okay, I'm not eating that, because it's not even close. Maybe sometimes it works out okay, but there's risk involved in knockoffs. And here's, uh, we're going to shift here. Here's why I bring it up. I would submit to you that there are spiritual, now think about this, there are spiritual knockoff kind of opportunities. They are uh, subpar to the real thing, which would be Jesus Christ and a personal relationship with God and forgiveness for our sin, the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. There are alternative things that people might offer, but they are not the real design for life. Um, Some examples, not great examples, but some of the ways that the world might offer you peace and say, oh, if you just meditate this way or you do, you know, yoga this way, this, all those things that that they may attempt to offer you peace. And I would tell you, there's nothing like connecting with Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. Um, There's a real common theme I think pretty common right now going on, this overemphasis of just believe in yourself. You heard this? Like, oh, all you got to do is believe in yourself. Just get in touch with your, can I tell you something that's better than that? Believe in God and trust in God because I'm about ready to go on a tangent, but you you know, don't dig don't dig too deep in there with yourself, because it ain't that good. 
Can, I, can we just admit, we better find something that's bigger, better, more powerful than just us. That's not the key. Uh, is there another? Oh, yeah, any church, pastor, preacher, teacher, spiritual person, that claims to talk about real life with God, the gospel, that doesn't include the reality of sin and the need for repentance and a savior, then that's, if they don't include those things, that's a knockoff. It's an alternative. It's not the real, authentic, powerful thing. Reminds me of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, that says, the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine or sound truth. It says they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. This word for myths, here's a definition. It could also be translated a fable or a fabrication posing, it's like a knockoff, posing to be the truth. Now, this idea of a spiritual knockoff, by the way, if you, if you decide you're going to try crust toothpaste, go for it. You'll live. It'll be fine. Not, not a big risk there. But if we fall for a spiritual knockoff, that can be incredibly uh, uh, detrimental, painful. That's a me- you do not want to mess up or miss the spiritual truth. You know, uh, I thought of it this way. Wouldn't it be uh, a sad moment if when we transition to eternity, we think somehow we have a ticket in to perfection and eternity with God, and then we get there and we hold out whatever it is we believe is our ticket, and we say, here we go, and then some giant authoritarian angelic soldier looks at what we offer and he says, uh, who sold you that? that get, that's not a ticket. What were you, sorry. Wouldn't that be horrible? Can everybody say amen? That would be a disappointing day. <laughs> so hold those thoughts. We're in a series called Unchanging. Our yesterday, and to, our yesterday, today, and forever God, and we're going to talk about something that does not change, and it's the gospel, the real story of Jesus and redemption and how that operates and works in our life. So we're going to learn from Colossians chapter 1, a little bit about the section here, it's written by a guy named Paul, who I think we could describe as one of the keepers of the true gospel. He consistently clarified through his writings. Sometimes people would begin to stray into some alternative thing, and God, and, and God would use Paul to write to like the church in Galatia. And in, the, in that book of the Bible, it's called Galatians, There's big sections on like, no, 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 that's not the gospel. That's not the truth of who Jesus was. Don't fall for that. And he would clarify through his writing, this is the truth. And so same way here in Colossians where we get kind of a summary of the gospel, the unchanging gospel. We'll begin in verse 21. It says, once you were alienated from God... And were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. 
But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Here's why I chose this text. It says, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. I'm going to go ahead. It's just three verses. I'm going to read it again. Once you were alienated from God because, I'm sorry, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard. That's where we'll stop. Title of the talk is God's Unchanging Gospel. And I can't believe it, but we're going to look at three. That's right. It's a three-part sermon here at the Vineyard. Some of you are worried because you know I can't even get through two. We're going to get to three points because it would be wrong to have three points here in the text when you're talking about the truth of the gospel and then only give you two, right? That's somewhere in there. That'd be really bad. So got to get through three. I think we can do it. Um, why is this important? It's important for us personally. Again, we don't want to believe some nonsense that doesn't actually produce. And the other thing is this is a reminder. This has been a reminder for me of what I really need to remember to share with other people that can truly change their lives. So let's pray. God, help us. Give us ears to hear. I pray that our eyes would be open to the light of the real, true, not some fake gospel for our sake and for the world's sake. Remind us of the truth, or for some of us, maybe uh, help us realize the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, got three ideas. The first one is this. The unchanging gospel starts with alienation. Alienation. I'm going to talk about the reality of the consequence of our separation from God because of our sin. In our text, it uses the word alienated. It says, once you were alienated from God. By the way, it uses other really strong words. That's what we're going to focus on. These are really strong words. Alienated from God. And it says, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Look at a couple of those words more specifically. Alienated, of course, means alienated. It means to be estranged. That's distant. Have you ever been estranged from someone? It's significant. And the next word for an enemy, being an enemy of God in our minds, uh, this is, means hostile because of deep-seated hatred. This is the consequence of sin. Deep-seated hatred. It implies, implies which is a new word, it implies irre irreconcilable, now just pause, 
irreconcilable hostility. That's big. And it goes on to talk about the feeling of being bent on inflicting harm. This is the consequence of sin. This is where we're at without Christ. Now, just to elaborate on this word, go ahead and put up that definition back one more time, Bethany, right? Deep-seated hatred, irreconcilable hostility, bent on inflicting harm. Let me try to illustrate that. Anybody ever had a little road rage? A little bit. The rest of you have not had any. We just think you're amazing. Right, a little bit. I would submit to you, may, I made this up, but there are probably three different levels of road rage. There's slight irritation. That's where you look at somebody and go, oh, come on. Right, so there's that. There is gesturing. It's a higher level. I don't know what gesture you use, but there's a gesturing. Someone over here just went, I'm like, that's, that's not the one some of us use. And then, if you, then you can ramp it up, uh, road rage can ramp up to aggression, physical aggression, where like, stop the car, you can see, you know, videos, stop the car, get out of the car, stop the other car, beat your fist against the window of the other car, right? Now this word of irreconcilable, this intent on inflicting harm is beyond any of those. And this is the situation we're in without the forgiveness of Jesus when it's just us, we have our sin, and this is the situation with God. So it would be like, <laughs> this word is like the per- road rage where you get out of the car, you beat your fist against the window, and then you're done. But three weeks later, you see the same person, you pull them over again beat your fist against the window again because it's so deep-seated. And then later, like three years later, when you're going into the Meyer parking lot, you look over and there they are again. So you drop your cart, you run over, and you begin to beat your fist on. For the rest of your life, whenever you see, you're reminded of this hostility. And you, that's, the, that's the, the, the language and the imagery of this word. And that's our situation because of our sin. God, here's the point. God is not like, oh, no big deal. Got a little sin in your life. That's not that big. It's not, a little, it's not just a little irritation. You can write this in and we're going to explore it. Sin creates more than just awkward separation from God. It it creates more than just some awkward separation from God. If you need an Old Testament example, if you read read the history of the Philistines, it's a people group, and they are the enemies of God, but then if you look later in the Old Testament, you know what they are? They're still the enemies of God, and no matter where they pop up, they're the enemies of God. I want to try to do it illustration. By the way, I've seen this as a napkin illustration. It's, it's the idea of putting a scale of our moral conduct on a line. And so, all right, so we're going to talk. I don't know if this will work, but we're going to try it. So at the very top of the scale, we're going to put God because he is morally absolutely pure, never made a mistake, pure in justice, pure in love, all that stuff, right? So we're putting God is perfect, amen, right? Pure moral being. 
At the bottom, let's put the worst possible person we've ever thought of. It's axe murderers or whatever you want to put there, right? It's the kind of people that most of us, we're not them. You know, it's the, it's the, the rapists, the horrible, it's the, um, it's the CEO of the company that creates biological warfare things in hopes of killing everyone. That, that guy, it's down here. And all of us, then here's the assignment mentally, put your, put you, you're somewhere on this, uh, uh, what is this called? This scale. Thanks, I appreciate that. You guys are so helpful. Just help me the whole time, all right? The scale. By the way, for reference, let's just put someone like Mother Teresa on the scale. Who I, right, she would be probably a really good moral. So where should we put Mother Teresa? He, Okay, don't get, don't get all the way up here, because I'll say no. All right, so, so you guys, so let's put Mother Teresa there, because, okay, okay, ready? Put me on here. I can feel it. I can feel where you're going. Somewhere, you know, so I would probably put myself here, maybe, maybe even here on a good day. All right. So now let me put you on here. Just kidding. You know, some of you would probably be up here. Some of you might be a little lower. But here's the point of this. There's not, I don't think, there's not a person in the room or watching online that would be deluded enough to put themselves up here. Am I right? Nobody. And in fact, some, if someone said they were, we would say, you probably need a therapist. Because we know that you're not thinking right. So here's the idea with this um, consequence of sin, this is the importance of understanding the truth of the gospel, that every one of us has, this, has a gap between what we should have done and the reality of who, of what we've done. And here's the truth of the gospel, is this gap is not just a little inconvenient. This gap is not a little irritating. This gap creates a, a deadly, serious problem in our life, in this life and in our life, eternity. That's the truth of the gospel. This is not just, oh, it's not that big a deal. The truth of the gospel, this is a huge deal. And I think for many of us, this is a shift because we don't normally think, oh, that person's, you know, not, not great. But we normally don't think of them as they're an enemy of God. This, God's not waiting with serious long-term aggression. We overestimate the reality of our situation. Ephesians 2.1 describes this, it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. So this is the dead space. In Romans 2.8, it says, those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth, fall for a lie, and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. That's the reality of that space. So to finish up this point, bring it into the room, here's a question just to consider. Am I under, underestimating 
the seriousness of our situation. That could be the moment of adjustment. For us personally, this is super helpful to me to remember, oh God, when I lie or lust or fail to do what I should do, it's a bigger deal than just whoops, (laughs) sorry God, right? It's a big deal. The other thing that if we think of this rightly is when we're talking to other people, it reminds us of the importance of trying to share the gospel with them because without Christ, there is nothing good going to happen in this gap. So I was just in a conversation this last Thursday uh, with a, a, a guy who uh, knew that I was a pastor and we had a casual conversation and he shared that he was an agnostic. And because I had been dwelling on this, it stirred my soul to really, really care about how I have this conversation. Because his situation is not just, oh, that's, you know, who knows? I hope that works out for him. This is not, this, he's in a dire situation without Christ. Does that make sense? So, the first idea is the unchanging gospel starts with alienation. The second idea is it offers reconciliation. This is the great news of Jesus. It offers reconciliation. Back to our text, once you were alienated from God, but now he, that's Jesus, has reconciled, that's God, has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. Here's the amazing uh, solution to the gap problem. Ready? No matter where you are, no matter where you are on this scale, all the way down to the evil act, the cross of Jesus is what spans that gaps that that gap and takes us from death, destruction, enmity between us and God, into life, forgiveness, all the wonderful things. Amen. Is that not cool or what? That's the kind of stuff that makes me weep sometimes when I think of all Jesus has done for me. You can write this in. In Christ, the gap is gone. Woo! Who's happy about that? I found this gift that expressed what I felt like when I was writing this. That's the way I feel. Like, yes, Lord! Woo! I'm so glad in Christ the gap is gone. And I want to just tease this out a little more. In many ways, it's even better than we even think. Because the text, uh, well, we'll go to Ephesians 4. It's the same principle as we just looked. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be. Here's our situation in Christ. We are now, because of his work on the cross, holy and blameless in his sight perfect in his sight. So this is a real way that this could work. How many of you got junk in your past? Did, how many, if I could stop there. How many of you got junk in your past? You never should have done that. And some of that stuff, that's bad, like really bad stuff. Now, it's all bad, but some of the really stuff, that, remember that thing you did like three or four weeks ago? You think, oh, oh, I hope no one ever finds out about that. Or there's consequences for some of those sins. Here's the reality. If you come to God and you're in Christ, 
And you say, God, I was just reminded today of that thing I did a year and a half ago that was so painful and that was so bad. That hurt people so much. And you say, I'm so sorry. The reality of Christ's work on the cross is he might likely say to you, what are you talking about? Oh, you know that thing. Remember that horrible thing? Like, and God, because of Christ's work, he, you are holy and perfect and precious in his sight, he would go, I can't, I'm not following you. No, the, the, the thing, you know, the, yeah. Because through Christ, he doesn't see it anymore. He would look at you and go, you look great. I don't know what you're talking about. Except for God probably never talks like that. But he says, I never wondered what you're talking about. Ever. Psalm 103. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions or sins from us. That's the incredible true nature of the unchanging gospel. Application here, just to fill in the blank, keep offering it to others. Don't stop. There is no better deal in the universe than to be forgiven by Jesus Christ. His work on the cross is nothing less than miraculous. So the first idea was it starts with alienation. Number two is it offers reconciliation. We're going to get one more. Might be a little bit of rub because of some of the things that we've been taught to believe. But it, it, it is uh, the unchanging gospel requires continuation. This idea of continuing in our faith. Before we get back to the text, uh, story. Last weekend, I had the weekend off and uh, went up to a little cabin up in northern Michigan. I was in a conversation, I went up by myself, I was in a conversation with my wife. I was in just like a really good place, had a campfire going and I was talking to my wife. So like all things are good. And so then we ended up talking about some spiritual things, which happens at times. And my wife asked me this question, Mark, are you any more like Jesus than you were five years ago? This came up. Are you any more like Jesus than you were five years ago? My first response to the question was something like this. Quit asking me hard questions. <laughs> I'm sitting by a campfire. I don't want to think, right? But it was thought-provoking. And so I paused, and I, you know, wrestled. Am I any you know, closer to Jesus, more like Jesus. And then this was my uh, authentic answer. I think so. I'm still in the game. And here's what I would share with you. How we answer questions like that matter. Are we still in the game? Not are we perfectly running the race, but are we still in the game? Back to our text 
Once you were alienated, now he's reconciled you. But verse 23 says, if you continue in your faith. And I know for some of us, we may have been taught, once saved, always saved, pray a prayer and you know, and that, that's good. And some of those principles, I understand where they may get them. But let's just deal, can we just deal with what Paul said in this moment of clarification in God's word. And he says, if you continue in your faith. This will just come up on the screen. I don't think it's fill in the blank. It says, the unchanging gospel is about an unending faith in Jesus. So the million-dollar question is, how do I know, maybe? How do I know if I'm continuing in my faith? And what I want to do is, is tell you, I don't think it's that hard of a question. I would align it with a similar question that you could probably all answer in, in two seconds. Ready? I'll ask you the question, and I'll bet you'll have the answer. You'll know. Are you married? How many of you, like, how many of you are married? Raise your hand. Great. How many of you are not married? Raise your hand. Yeah. There's, how many of you don't know? <laughs> we can find you a therapist because that's, does that make sense? We know the answer to that. And I would like in our relationship, are we in the faith? If you're in the faith, you know it because you are still married to God. By the same token, when we ask the question, are you in the faith? It is a great opportunity for perhaps the Holy Spirit to say to you, where did you go? Now, I'm not talking about where did you go this afternoon? It was a bad afternoon. I'm talking about, are you still in the faith? And here's the clarity of the gospel. How you answer that question really does matter. This is not a question of, well, were you baptized when you were 14? Not the question. If, uh-oh, Man, if all you had to do was get people wet to get them into heaven, we'd just hook up a big old fire hose. We would drive through Mishawaka going. <gasps> Does that make sense? Like that's not. And by the way, if, you're, if you, if one of your steps with God in this relationship, being in the faith is getting baptized, get baptized. But baptism itself does not guarantee, oh, forever, you're good. Are you married to God? Doesn't mean are you in a perfect relationship? Are you in relationship, faith? Am I still putting my faith in Jesus for this gap? Do I take the gap seriously? Is Jesus the answer and am I walking with God? If you are, can I tell you, eternity's gonna be amazing. You have forgiveness in your life. You have new hope. You have, a, you have this amazing, powerful God who comes next to you and says, I am with you. I will help you. I will comfort you, right? I will carry you, I'll do all those things. But if you don't have those things, the opportunity for you is, I need that gospel in my life. As best I can tell you, that is the truth of the gospel of what God is doing, trying to do in our lives. Last fill in the blank, am I still in the faith? And if you're not, get there. If you strayed, come back. 
If you're trying to share Christ with other people, remember these principles because they're life-changing. Why don't you stand and we'll close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.